The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. And I'm Stacey Marie Ishmel, Managing Editor of Crypto for Bloomberg News. It's Friday, September 16th. By now, you've probably heard, and definitely on this podcast, that El Salvador became the first country in the world to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender all the way back in September of 2021. But did you know that the Central African Republic has made a similar move in April, becoming the first country in Africa to welcome a cryptocurrency to its sovereign ranks? Cue, to no one's surprise, almost immediate expressions of skepticism and concern from organizations like the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank to say nothing of internal disagreement and confusion within CR itself. Why would a country with very low levels of access to electricity or the internet follow the path of a digital token? Who stands to benefit and who stands to lose? Joining me now is Katarina Khuye. It's difficult to see how they're gonna move forward. It's almost like they're learning as they're going. Katarina, welcome. Now, our listeners will be more than familiar by this point with the fact that last September 2021, El Salvador became the first country in the world to accept Bitcoin as legal tender. Following the Salvadorian news, a number of politicians in Latin America, many of them younger on the millennial side, signaled their affinity for Bitcoin as well. This is a really bold first move for a Central American country. What it means for Bitcoin is um, there are businesses in El Salvador that will be required to accept this if they're technologically able. But now there's a number two. Yes, uh, so the Central African Republic adopted Bitcoin as legal tender in April this year. It was met with shock, confusion, and also a bit of enthusiasm from, from some Bitcoin uh, experts and, and enthusiasts. I guess that people, you know, sort of saw another country adopting Bitcoin after El Salvador, but they probably didn't expect it to be a small African country that many have never heard of mm-hmm. to, to be the one to follow suit, uh, especially as CAR might not have the, on paper, it might look, look like the country that would adopt Bitcoin with the low internet connectivity and an, an ongoing conflict that has sort of both plagued the economy and the country for the past basically for the past decade. You've also reported on, and you and your colleagues have reported on the fact that unlike in El Salvador, where, you know, the government seemed to be unanimous with the central bank and and maybe not all of the population, but they had a lot of internal support 
for we're going to do this thing. The story in cars seems to have shaken out a little bit differently. Like what, what's been happening? I mean, it was voted by, by parliament, but it was also voted by, by hand clapping. And a lot of the, the lawmakers didn't really seem to know what they're voting on. Now, the one who's been pushing this, this initiative through is the, the president, Faustin Achange Todera, who has a, a PhD in mathematics and at least seemed to understand the, the, the logics of, of cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin. But uh, the opposition was against the proposal from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, very early on, you had backlash from the, center, the central bank who uh, noted that actually adopting Bitcoin as a second currency next to the Central African franc, which is used by, by six countries in Central Africa, would be illegal. And that could actually lead to the expulsion of the Central African uh, bank from the regional monetary union. There's also been pushback from the International Monetary Fund mm-hmm. and the World Bank who warned against the adoption of Bitcoin as legal tender in car. Which they've been very consistent on because they told El Salvador the exact same thing that, you know, like the, the, the IMF and the World Bank are generally not keen on sovereign countries exposing themselves to a degree of, you know, risk and volatility and, and currency fluctuations on top of everything that they're already dealing with. But let, let's talk a little bit more about in practice, like what does it mean for cars to accept Bitcoin as legal tender? Is it now that you can walk into any shop and pay in Bitcoin? Are people doing that? Like what has changed materially in the country? Not much on the ground, as far as I'm aware. Uh, only about 11% of the population actually has internet connection. And uh, I mean, many people don't even have bank accounts. It's, mm-hmm. it's a very poor country on paper. Most people wouldn't be be able to invest in Bitcoin at all. So from, from the outlook of it, it doesn't seem like it has changed much underground. Of course, car, this hasn't stopped CAR from moving forward and also launching their own cryptocurrency and continuing to, to promote uh, investment into the country's uh, mineral sectors. Uh, CAR has large natural resources of gold, diamonds and other minerals, even timber. Hmm. And one, one objective of launching or adopting Bitcoin as legal tender was actually to be able to to attract investors to those sectors. Well, before we talk about whether they've been successful in attracting external investors, let's talk about the fact that they also launched their own cryptocurrency. <laughs> you say, say a little bit more about that. Uh, so this was a product that was launched in July. That's when the car launched uh, Sango Coin. And uh, President Faustin Achange-Todra said famously at an online event uh, marketing the crypto project that uh, for them the formal economy was no longer an option and uh, cryptocurrency (laughs) was the future for car. Uh, I mean, obviously they have a very young population, so if if they could invest and benefit from it, it would be be a good solution. Car then moved on very quickly to to open up the the sale of uh, Sango Coin, which would allow... uh, well, you could get an e-residency. There was the possibility of acquiring land through uh, through the Sango coin. Mm-hmm. But it was also done at very high risk. Uh, no one really knew what it was pegged to or was actually securing the, this currency. And some of these investments would require a 10-year uh, locking period of, of your investment. So, so far, investment has been slow. Investment hasn't flown into Sango coin. What does Sango mean? Sango is the actually the local language uh, which is spoken across car. 
So there's kind of a, an idea in addition to what you're saying about this being something that folks can feel proud of, feel attached to, that like represents the country in this digital forum. But to your point, it does seem to be have been pitched to external investors more than necessarily the people in the country itself, right? With 11% internet penetration, sporadic access to electricity, there are probably not a lot of people day to day who are going to add this to their list of things that they're super keen on. Have international investors shown interest and appetite for any of this? Uh, well, appetite has been slow so far. I think the, the last time I checked, uh, Sangocoin had sold for about uh, $1.6 million. Mm-hmm. And the uh, initial value that they put on the market in the first round is going to be 12 uh, sales in total was about $21 million. So again, very slow interest. They extended the period that was supposed to actually end last month until end of this month, uh, stating that the, the enormous interest uh, would needed to extend the period. But if you look at the sales, it doesn't really match what they're saying in, in statements. Because the numbers are not reflecting kind of the same enthusiasm. Uh, n- not, not at this point. And I guess that, I mean, that's a risk. Uh, part of the project, the fact that, again, you have a long locking period. And it was also said that the Sango coins that you used, uh, you bought either by through Ethereum or uh, Bitcoin, couldn't be traded back. Wow. Okay. So very significant constraints on your ability to get in and out of a Sango coin position, in other words. I want to ask you a little bit because I saw a story that you and one of your colleagues published around the end of August around the country's highest court saying that an incentive program the government was trying to offer to people who bought Sango coins was unconstitutional. What was that program? CAR has been offering uh, people to buy land through investing in Sango coin. There was also an e-residency program and also the possibility of getting uh, Central African nationality mm-hmm. by investing $60,000 and then a locking period of uh, up to five years. Now, obviously, the Constitutional Court uh, said that this is not how we uh, allocate land in parties <laughs> need to go through a government decision. The, parla- parliamentary, the parliament actually has to, uh, to be in that decision. And also our citizenships are not up for grab through mm-hmm. investing in cryptocurrency. And thirdly, the adoption of e-residency doesn't exist in the car at this moment, so it wouldn't be a possibility. Now, CAR is actually in the process of adopting a new constitution, and it seems like authorities could be changing that document into possibly fitting the the Sango project's uh, objectives. Got it. So this is one of those, we'll just have to wait and see, you know, what what actually shakes out there. Exactly. And that's only the e-residency and the, and the land acquisitions is only up in the, in the following rounds. It's not on the table or not for sale at the moment. When we talk about e-residency, as far as I'm aware, Estonia was one of the first places in the world to offer this. And the idea is like, you know, for the folks in the US who are listening to this, it's like a, a, a digital green card almost where you don't become a citizen, but you get access to, to certain elements of the economy to status, you know, you kind of get like an identity card. Does that framework even exist at all in CAR for them to be able to offer something like this? Or is it more like 
if you buy this at some point in the future, you may have access to something that looks like this. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, this doesn't exist, but the Constitutional Court was, was very clear about, again, this is, this is something that they're hoping to offer in the future, so it's still not up for sale. But it seems like the framework to even offer an e-residency is not there at the moment. Coming up, more from Bloomberg reporter Katerina Hoya on how Bitcoin is shaping up in the Central African Republic. We'll be right back. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. For folks who have, you know, maybe this is the first time they're encountering car in the wild, what are some of the key things that they should understand about the challenges that the government is facing in trying to drive adoption of these policies? Well, I mean, first of all, the, the internet connectivity, again, CAR is one of the least connected countries in the world. It also has one of the lowest GDPs, mm-hmm. uh, about 2.3 billion uh, in 2020, according to World Bank. Uh, the population, for the most part, is kept outside of the financial system. While they do use uh, mobile money service providers, uh, that was just 14% of the population aged 15 years or more, again, according to World Bank data. And if you want to compare the percentage of El Salvador's population with access to the banking system was around 30%. Mm-hmm. This is in 2017. So all of the indicators are, are a bit lower than the than El Salvador. There's little infrastructure in, in general. Uh, again, the internet connectivity, but even things like, like roads, they don't have enough electricity. If they wanted to actually set up a Bitcoin mining operations, right. that, that probably wouldn't be possible in card and you would then the whole country would go go black or whatever is lit up would <laughs> probably be in darkness. Social indicators are pretty dire. People don't, like you pointed out, people don't have the, the money to invest in, in Bitcoin or crypto. What's interesting hearing from you is these are very similar to some of the concerns that places like the IMF and the World Bank and crypto skeptics more broadly were raising about El Salvador. Obviously, as you've mentioned, El Salvador is significantly further along on several of those indicators, including internet penetration, consistency of electricity. You know, El Salvador is like, well, we have a volcano, so we have a, a totally different way of of thinking about the possibility of of Bitcoin mining. But despite them being more ahead on, on many indicators, they still haven't seen widespread adoption of Bitcoin among, you know, the rank and file of the population, right? They too have really seen an influx in tourism, in foreign investor interest and sentiment, but not so much your average person in the market trying to buy something, being like, hold on, let me whip out my Bitcoin wallet and and pay for this thing. Do you expect from your knowledge of your previous experience of the region 
that this will be something that two years from now, you know, the government is like, okay, we tried it. It was an interesting marketing campaign. We're going to move on to something else. Or is there any indication that this is something they have actually really high conviction around and are going to keep trying to make successful despite the challenges you've identified? I mean, maybe that's another challenge, again, that not a lot of people in government understand its project. Uh, mm-hmm. Todora, the president, he seems to know what's going on, but uh, but other government officials don't. I don't want to outrule the project uh, yet, but I mean, so far with interest in it being low, I, I don't... Yeah, it's difficult to see how they're going to move forward. It's almost like they're learning as they're going. Mm-hmm. And of course, another obstacle is the fact that they are part of the CFA zone, which is uh, pegged to the euro and also controlled by the French uh, treasury, which means that they have limited say over the monetary policies, for example. And again, launching Bitcoin or uh, cryptocurrencies could possibly go against the system, which would which would then uh, cut them out of the regional monetary union. It's interesting, though, however, that since car's adoption of Bitcoin, the regional monetary union has actually started looking at possibly a digital currency. Hmm. So it seems like they're warming up to the idea. But but so far, nothing has really moved forward on that end. So there, there are two things that you said that, that are really interesting that I want to hone in on. One is, you know, much like El Salvador, which uses the US dollar, lacks control over its own monetary policy, like cars facing something very similar there, except they're using the euro uh, instead of the dollar. But the other thing is that idea of this being a learning experience, not just for them, but potentially that monetary union as a whole that may in, you know, 12, 24, who knows how many months from now, lead to something that looks more similar to like a digital euro, but for that union specifically. Exactly. And I mean, that sort of fits into the whole narrative across this region that the fact that they need to keep at least 50% of the foreign assets with mm-hmm. the French Treasury, again, the, the former colonial power, has been facing growing criticism, uh, partly for holding back economic development. So creating creating a sango or even as a national currency or even a regional currency, I mean, uh, Central African authorities has uh, promoted this as a pan-African project could potentially attract other countries and, you know, offer a bigger pickup, at least give countries the idea that if going into crypto is a way to sort of move away from the, from the French dependency and the dependency on the euro. Well, Katharina, thank you so much for joining us and helping us understand what's been happening with car and crypto. A pleasure to have you on the show. On the next episode of Bloomberg Crypto, we're going to talk about exchange-traded funds and specifically crypto ETFs. These are products that are designed to give people exposure to things like Bitcoin or to Ether or to broader companies in the market without actually having to hold those things directly. There's some interesting and perhaps unhelpful stuff that's happening with their performance these days, and you'll hear more about that on the next episode. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your comments, questions, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net. Or find us on Twitter, we're at crypto. The supervising producer of Bloomberg Crypto is Vicky Vergolina. Our senior producer is Janet Babin. Our producer is Sharon Barrero. 
Associate producer is Ty Butler. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidron. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael. Have a great weekend. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.